You're listening to This Life Explains It All. With the creators of Vera, your guide for navigating a conscious life. We're Stefania Romeo and Catherine Griffiths. This Life Explains It All was created out of belief that our life experience is our greatest teacher. And as soul sisters and intuitives, we've spent the past decade completely obsessed with better understanding our minds and our bodies, all while running a mile a minute with busy careers as leaders in the tech startup world. On this podcast, we are bringing you the insights and lessons that have changed our lives with the thought leaders, healers, and dreamers behind them. We're discussing wellness practices, healing methods, and experiences that get us to think differently about life and live empowered. Whether you want to uplevel your health, your career, your relationship, or are going through changes to your life path, this information can help you get there and let you know that we're right here with you. We believe life isn't meant to be lived linear, and no matter where you are right now, you're right on time. Hey guys, it's Kat and Stefania. You're listening to This Life Explains It All, Vera's podcast. Today, we have the second installment of something very special for you. So for the second month in a row, my personal astrologer, Cassandra Butler, has done a look ahead at the month ahead for June, specifically for This Life Explains It All and specific to your sign. So before we get into the rest of the episode, let's turn it over to Cassandra, who is going to share what we can look forward to coming in the month of June. Hello, everyone. This is Cassandra Joan Butler, your star reporter with the horoscope for June of 2020. This is going to be an amazing month of endings and beginnings because we have two eclipses, a lunar eclipse on June 5th, a solar eclipse on the 20th. Lunar eclipses often basically stir up the emotions within us. And because this particular lunar eclipse is in the sign of Sagittarius and Gemini, rhetoric and freedom will be issues that will be discussed everywhere. The solar eclipse in Cancer is the sign most associated with protection, home, and family. So we're going to want to really evaluate what makes us feel safe. For the Aries people in the month of June, the eclipse starts off with you trying to prepare yourself of getting rid of clutter, especially negative self-talk. The solar eclipse of June 20th shifts towards making changes in your home and career and ways to balance both. In the sign of Taurus or Taurus rising, as we start off the month, you're going to be really looking at money. Money's on the mind. So you may consider turning a hobby into an income stream. At the end of the month, you'll have multiple opportunities to improve your communication skills, learning, writing, teaching, and even buying and selling. Happy birthday, Gemini. All eyes on you as we start off the month of June. That lunar eclipse is really going to stir up anything having to do with relationships for you. You'll be learning more about yourself through the eyes of your significant others. The solar eclipse of June 20th, on the other hand, is about money. It's about creating new abundance in your life. And you'll really be able to control your financial situation as June ends. For cancers, as the month begins, take a break, take a rest, relax, meditate, pray, really just baby yourself a little bit, 
And the very important solar eclipse of June 20th gives you an opportunity to rebrand yourself, to find a new identity that's going to carry you well into the next new year. For our Leo friends, as we start off the month, it's all about socializing. It's about creating new social contacts. It's about making friends, new ones, and establishing and strengthening existing friendships. As the month comes to a close for Leo, you too want to dig deep inside to cement your spiritual tools for healing, meditation, and reflection. For Virgo, as June unfolds, you may have an opportunity for a new career or at least a new leadership role in an existing career. The solar eclipse of June 20th coincides with you wanting to redefine issues related to romance, friendship, and pleasure. For Libras, as the month unfolds, really you want to set a new tone for your marketing, your learning, your organizing, and maybe even making plans to travel. The lunar eclipse is setting the stage for a new routine for you as well. And then as the month ends, you are inspired to take a greater leadership role in the world around you. For Scorpio, this lunar eclipse can be rather mm, testy. You may have a set of difficult encounters. It's all about, however, your self-discovery, your growth, and powerful connections. Dig deep inside to connect with your inner spirit or inner psychological strength. As we look at the Sagittarians for the month of June, it's all about your relationships. You'll really be learning about what you want, what you don't want. Evaluate your partners. The solar eclipse of the 20th provides a better perspective for your long-term financial picture. For Capricorn, creativity and health is being illuminated early in the month. You may be setting a new goal for your exercise or nutrition. And then the clarity you seek regarding relationships begin becomes more evident as the month of June ends. For our Aquarius friends, creativity is your theme. Get out there and play. You know, take a hobby and make it work for yourself. Pay attention to inspired thoughts, all throughout the month, and then at the month's end, it's time for you to get healthier and more disciplined with your self-care routine. For Pisces, the lunar eclipse is heralding a new chapter for you domestically. Dream a new home dream. The solar eclipse of June 20th reminds you that your creative gifts will never let you down. Thank you so much for listening and see you next month. And we're back. I love that we're doing these. I love listening to my specific signs and anyone that I know that has that sign. What resonated for you? Well, so she says you can use both your rising sign and your sun sign. So I'm a cancer rising, as are you. And uh, I love that she said what she did about take a break in that sign and about resilience from a spiritual perspective coming up. I've definitely been feeling like I want more like kind of rest time, a break, like even though we're all home right now, I've been pretty busy. And so I'm looking forward to that kind of coming up. And I really liked that. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. So I'm a Cancer rising and Scorpio sun. So the Cancer was great to hear. I feel like I've been doing a lot more inward work lately in meditation. So it'll be good to just double down on that. And I kind of fed into my Scorpio 
reading as well, which was all about deepening my spirituality. And I learned a new practice from our last podcast guest, Naraj Naik, who talks about a certain type of breathwork called Soma breathwork. And I've been doing that every morning and it's absolutely just changing my state. Like my energy is different. My vibes are higher. It's an incredible meditation. We'll link to it. So I think that that is kind of like that start of what the horoscope prediction is in June. Yeah. And I think that the eclipses are always really powerful. So I am definitely going to be paying special attention to what's happening and being mindful around those two lunar and solar eclipses happening this month at the beginning. And then I think the other one was around the 20th. So also looking forward to those. Are there any new products that you've been trying out? Yeah, actually. Well, I'm always trying new stuff, but I'm also like pretty loyal to a lot of the stuff that I use. But I do have a great recommendation right now of something that I've been using a lot lately. So I love a lot of the Saqqara products and I had always been skeptical of this one product. I'd got some samples and I never thought it worked. (laughs) It's the Saqqara collagen chocolates because I would have one here and there and I'm like, this is doing nothing. But then I read on the back of the container that like you have to do it for 14 days straight and then you will start to see results. So I tried it out and I noticed a huge difference in my skin. So I definitely recommend checking that out. It is the Saqqara collagen chocolate made a huge difference on my skin. But it's interesting because I love their plant-based collagen products. I don't know. I love collagen and I feel like it does wonders, but I always felt weird having the bone-based collagen that's in a lot of the other powders. Like I actually have felt like I'm like drinking powdered bone and that is just not doing it for me. Disgusting. (laughs) But that's actually what a lot of the other ones are. And so, yeah, I love it. It's awesome. It's fun. It's also like a little treat that I give myself. So. Mm -hmm. So does it taste like chocolate? It is chocolate. Yeah. It tastes like dark chocolate. It's good. I should get some of those because I've been into having a little dark chocolate at night. Yeah. And it would be good to replace it with something that's doing (laughs) wonders for my skin. Are you sleeping okay after that? Because that has a lot of caffeine in it. Oh yeah. I sleep wonders. I just fall right asleep. I know. I was thinking that, but it's been fine. So what have you been using? Well, this is something that you told me about actually. What? Nettle tea. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I've been having it's actually gotten a lot better now. I think it's a it was a seasonal thing, but I live near the beach. I live in Australia, so it's very hot and dry. And my hair was shedding a lot, very dry. And I've tried a lot of different things. And you've heard nettle tea works really well for hair because it's packed with all of these. Minerals. Minerals. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been having that every day for about 10 days or so since you told me about it. And you can get it anywhere. You can get it at any health food store. You can order it online. And I have noticed a difference in my hair just in terms, like when I do my hair, it shines a lot more Mm -hmm. and it hasn't been shedding as much. It's also coming into winter here. So it's not as hot and dry, but I mean, it can't hurt. It has so many benefits in it. Yeah. So that's something that I've been using. Yeah, that's good. Also for skin, teeth, nails, I think the like the whites of your eyes, nettles are great. Mm-hmm. Yes. Awesome. Well, 
Let's get into the episode. This episode is solo or duo, just you and I. And we talk about finding your voice and using your voice. So we're sharing our personal stories and experiences around specifically in career, but some personal stuff as well, how we recognize that we lost our voice in certain time periods and then how we got it back. Yeah. And we talk about it in the context of career where this can come up a lot where you're not, uh, maybe you're not speaking your mind or you're not being your authentic self. So that's the context that we talk about it in and just how to move past that. So you could really speak your, your truth in the workplace and in your life overall. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoy this episode. We're sharing our own stories. And so we always love doing that. Let us know what you think about the uh, monthly astrology too. Let's get to the episode. Stefania, you were talking about something the other day that really resonated with me and I'm sure a lot of other people too, about how we have this strong voice when we're younger and then we kind of lose it along the way and get conditioned to kind of not have that loud voice anymore. Yeah. To like not use our instinct. Yeah. I think about this a lot and actually when we had our launch event and we did our live podcast with Heidi Zach. If you haven't checked it out, it's episode, I think it's episode like 13 or something. Yeah. You'll see it on there. Just look for Heidi's. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> um, but we were talking about that with her and she had said how that was really resonant with her as well, that once we get more information to go off of, we tend to silence our inner intuition and instinct more. And we tend to not make decisions from our gut or maybe in this context that I'm going to talk about this example, not like speak up from our intuition or or just trusting what we know because we have so much more information to go off of. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think about that a lot. And I have this memory that is just one of those ones that like really has stuck with me over time. And I've been reflecting a lot on this idea of how do we lose our trust in ourselves to with using our voice. And then like, how can we find our voice again after we feel like maybe we've lost it or we've silenced it? In the context of work, I was thinking back to my first internship. I remember my very first internship, it was either 2007 or 2008. I was working at a marketing and advertising agency and it was my very first day. And I was invited to a brainstorming meeting to talk about, I think it was like some form of like swag or gift bag for a big event or conference that we were putting together on behalf of a client. And I'm invited to this brainstorming meeting. It's my boss who's like the account lead. And then there was the creative director and art director in the room. And so it was a smaller organization. So it was normal that like these levels would meet together for something like this. And so the creative director had this idea of giving away this educational content um, that was relevant to the event on CDs and how he was going to design it. But at this time, it was when we were just really starting to move away from and not use CD-ROMs in our computers anymore, like to hold anything. And that just felt like such an outdated thing to me. And I suggested like, let's do it on flash drives. Everyone was using flash drives. And I said, you know, no one's going to use that. That feels really dated. Why don't we do it on flash drives? Here's how we could design it. Here's, you know, how we could 
put it together and package the educational content, et cetera. And I, you know, it was just my instinct and that came through and I felt good about it. Well, the creative director didn't agree with me and did not want to use my suggestion or go with my idea, at least, you know, at the time in the room. And it was no big deal. I left the room and went on to the next thing I was working on and didn't think about it. Well, a little bit later that day, my boss, who, like I said, was this amazing woman, pulled me aside and said, oh my God, I am so sorry. And... I said, what do you mean? And she said, I am so sorry that, you know, you had to go through that and him, you know, disagreeing with your idea. It was so brave of you to speak up. It was so brave of you to say your idea in the meeting. And, you know, I'm sorry that you, you know, were kind of shut down. And I remember thinking like, oh, it was no big deal. Like we were just having a conversation. We disagreed and I, I didn't even think about it again. But that memory stuck in my mind so strongly because it was almost like this little precursor to the conditioning that I would then experience in working life and in corporate life as a young person in the context of a hierarchical corporate structure. Because when I first entered the workforce and I was first in that meeting with that creative director, I spoke from my intuition. I spoke from what I knew. I was super confident, felt good. And then as time went on in those first few years of my career, I became conditioned to speak up less because I had more information to go off of. And because there was the conditioning of like, you're at this level, the executives are at this level, this person is at this level. And I got conditioned by it. I remember when I was at BuzzFeed, I led a lot of our early branded video initiatives and I was invited to a meeting with the CEO, with you know a lot of our senior executive team to talk about the strategic direction of branded video. And I was in the room because I was closest to the product. I was closest to working with our clients and I had the best like lens of what customers were thinking about it. And... I remember sitting at this table with a bunch of older men around me. There was one other woman in the room and she was the PR person who was amazing, by the way, but not in the same context of the conversation. And I didn't say one word. I did not say one word the entire time because I kept thinking things and wanting to say something, but I kept thinking, well, they must already know that. Or, you know, well, what if I sound stupid? Or this isn't interesting enough to contribute to this conversation of all these, you know, experienced people who've been in this world for so long. But then as, as I kept having ideas, I would notice like they were talking about some of these ideas and would say them later on after I'd already had the idea, but I never got that trust muscle enough in that meeting to really speak up. And I think that that's something that a lot of young people early on in their careers go through from my perspective and from hearing from people. I remember then though, once I left kind of the corporate world I had been in and later on was doing consulting work with startups, I remember not, you know, and this was in my more recent history, being in a room with much more senior, much more powerful people of VCs, of venture capitalists in Silicon Valley and people who are powerful and people who are super smart and speaking my mind and speaking my recommendations and being respected and feeling really in my power. Yes, some of that comes from experience, but I think a lot of it came from and what forced me to like think about it 
again, in this context, it came from the fact that I was no longer in the hierarchical structure where I was a certain level and someone else was a different level because I was consulting and I was coming in as an advisor and, and helping. But it really got me thinking about how conditioned we get in that structure, both from the standpoint of, you know, how that's organized, but also just like how we lose the trust in ourselves, the more information becomes available to us because we just have more to go off of. So that's something I've been thinking about a lot and really have been leaning into and working on ways to help others get to the other side of that or even identify it earlier on because it's real. And, you know, these voices are valuable. These voices have something to say and like, why aren't they talking, you know? Yeah, that's so relatable. I can remember times in my career earlier on where I would be sitting around a group of people and not talking. And it's exactly what you said. It's that, well, they're more seniors, so they probably know. So what am I doing here? And it's like, because you're in that that system, why do you think that is? Like, because you mentioned that you didn't speak because, oh, they probably already know. Why do you think that we do that? I think that, and I want to say like, I'm not vilifying like the corporate structure environment. Like that's right for people. And like, it really is. And some people love it, but like, let's make it work for us and keep our voice if we're going to be in that. So I just want to make that clear. I'm not kind of vilifying that in any way. I think that it is because, like I said, we have more information to go off of. And so when we are exposed to more information and we know we begin to learn how much it is that we don't know, which is fine. I mean, there's this old quote, which is very memorable to me, which is something along the lines of, it is the most intelligent man or woman who knows how little it is they really know. Because once you kind of, if you have that level of intelligence and awareness and knowing, you know how much there is to know and it's sort of endless and no one could have all the answers. And that is the intelligent viewpoint versus the, I know everything, I know all the answers. That's a more kind of immature, regardless of age viewpoint. But so I think that that's a big part of it. As you learn how much you don't know, you know, you become, if we're talking about early career you, you know, get out of your bubble of like what you knew from your life growing up and and school and become aware of how big the world is and all of these things. And I think that can lead to maybe some second guessing because you don't know everything. And then, like I said, I mean, I mentioned this, but I think it's also the structure of the way that we regard, you know, hierarchical systems in a corporate environment. I mean, this is a different example, but I remember you know, I was fortunate in that I would often in my um, career before what I'm doing now, and when I did work in within a company, not as a coach or advisor, but like as an employee, I would get to work on cool kind of, I don't know about side projects, but exploratory projects, you know, operational growth projects, whatever, which would then give me more interaction and visibility to the executive team or leadership at that level. And I remember hearing so much from my peers and then maybe those like a little bit above me and saying like, oh, you are so lucky that you get exposure to, I'm not going to say this person's name because it will be obvious what it was, but 
I'll just say Catherine. I'll use your name, Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> they would say, oh my God, you are so lucky. You get to have exposure to Catherine. Oh, you're so lucky. Aren't you so happy that you get exposure to Catherine? And I remember thinking like, what? Like, <laughs> God, it makes me want to throw up. I know, I know. Because it just oh. reinforces that like, yeah. why? It's why? like a cult. <laughs> it's literally like a cult. Well, there is, I mean, there's the political aspect of it. I remember thinking like, yeah, I want to advance in the company and I want to share my ideas and get the time and space for them to be heard. So from that perspective, it's great. But from a political point of view in terms of office politics and getting exposure and like maybe being a favorite, that does not resonate with me. And that started to make me feel kind of sick. But yeah, I think that, I don't know why I brought up that example, but I think that, yeah, I think it's both of those things, both starting to recognize how much information there is out there, how much there is to learn, but then also you know, you are what you surround yourself with. So you start to take on the beliefs of like a hierarchical system and structure and all that. And of course, in a huge organization, you have to have structure and organization. But the thing is, if you really want to thrive and you really want to feel good about what you're doing every day and feel like yourself, it's key to be able to like find your voice and like be comfortable sharing your voice with respect. I'm all about respect, regardless of a person's title. Yeah. And I think one thing that you can do right now is just, and one thing that's really helped me with this is preparing for the meeting. What are some things that you think are going to come up and what will you say? Because for me, I can think on the spot, but sometimes in the past, it was harder for me to do it in those types of meetings where there are senior people in there or you know, even a senior client. And I didn't want to say the wrong thing, exactly what you were saying. It's like, you have all this information, you know it, but I, I don't want to be wrong. So one of the ways that I've overcome that is just through researching, knowing what I'm going to say, having some questions prepared, And it makes you, it also just gives you a lot more confidence as you're going into the meeting too. Like, okay, I'm armed. I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever is coming up. Maybe even just doing like a little, listening to a really powerful song and dancing before or something, just so you have that like, I'm strong. I'm ready to go in. Let's do this. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing about that exercise that I love in terms of preparing and looking at everything is like, once you do that preparation and you put that, you know, maybe paper of points together, you're probably not even going to look at it, but you'll have done the exercise and you'll Mm -hmm. like have developed the confidence. And then maybe over time you won't do it as much. One tactic Mm -hmm. that I talk about a lot in my coaching work that I also use is rooted in this idea of turning intimidation into curiosity. And so we can tend to, you know, if some, especially if it's someone who maybe is more senior than us, maybe is more experienced, maybe knows more than us or knows different than us. If they maybe like question us or put us on the spot, we can get intimidated and we can close up and shut down and feel bad about ourselves or freeze. But you can really easily disarm that intimidation by just getting curious and asking questions on the other side. It can be as simple as, I haven't thought about it that way. Can you tell me more about your thinking? Or, you know, I haven't thought about it that way. Can you tell me more about how you see it? Ask questions. If you don't know what that person is maybe getting at or referring to, like, 
ask questions, ask for their viewpoint, ask them to explain. That creates connection as well and can create like a better environment from that perspective. But there are a lot of ways to turn the intimidation into curiosity and completely disarm what's making you feel uncomfortable. 100%. And even putting yourself in their shoes, what are some of the things that they may be thinking right now or going through? I think putting yourself in your shoes, imagine what pressures that that person is under if they're requesting something for you or if they say something that doesn't seem like it's an alignment, why that might be happening. Like you said, getting really curious, but just put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. You know what I'm just thinking? Like we've been talking about this now in the context of those who may be earlier on in their careers or newer in their careers, or maybe just starting to find their voice again. But how do we do that as leaders? Like, do you feel like there are things, what would you tell or what do you tell someone who is an executive, someone who is in a leadership position? Like what can they think about to create a better environment where they're actually getting all of the ideas and insight that's going to be valuable to them? Because It's not always going to come from the top. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I think it's about changing it slightly. So they're creating an environment where they're listening more than they're speaking in certain situations. Because I feel like if you are in that position and you're an executive, you're a leader of a company, you actually want to make sure that you're adding value Mm -hmm. because you're in that position. And we're all just here kind of not knowing what we're doing a lot of the time, including executives, including CEOs, presidents. So I think that when that happens, they're probably overcompensating by wanting to speak all the time and share their ideas to kind of prove I'm in this position and I deserve to be here. So I think that not in all cases, but in some cases that can happen. And one way to turn it around is just by creating an environment where they're actually listening to everyone and everyone's encouraged to speak up because, you know, if you're working directly with, like in your example, if you're working directly with the client, then out of that room, you probably have the most valuable information because you are hearing it directly from the client. So by opening up that environment so everyone can speak, they're getting really valuable information. Yeah. I like the idea of really like zeroing in on for your team, like what are the unique perspectives that each person brings and like collaborate with them on that. Collaborate on defining what that is because it creates an environment where everyone is more bought in and like feels that they're part of something that's bigger than, you know, a big corporate, but it's part of something that you can get behind and really care about with your heart. Do you feel like you remember when you first started to find your voice again? Well, when you were telling that story, I actually remembered something that happened to me. It's similar, but a little bit, it's more related to the fear of failure, which is also about like not speaking because I don't want to sound stupid or I don't want to fail. So when I was like, I think I must have been seven or eight years old. And I've probably told you this story before. I was on a softball team and I wasn't really that into it. (laughs) Like I just did it because I don't know, that's what I was doing at the time. And you were seven. Yeah. That was what I was doing at the time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was just playing softball. (laughs) And we were an undefeated team. 
And I was, I don't know (laughs) what happened, but the other team hit the ball and I was at around the first base area. And I just completely, it was so easy. The ball would be really easy to catch. Like it wasn't like it was a curveball or anything. And I just completely, I got so nervous and I completely missed it. Like I didn't catch the ball and the other team won because of it. And we were an undefeated team. So the whole team, they were all screaming at me, crying, saying that I lost the game for the whole team. And it was such a traumatic experience. Rough I was, crowd of seven-year-olds. <laughs> I know. I may have been older. I actually can't remember. I, but it was. I was definitely young and I remember it very vividly. I actually asked my mom about it the other day because it came up in one of the meditations I was doing like as a past thing. So I was asking my mom about it. And she was like, I didn't know if you were ever going to come out of that. You were so traumatized and so upset and crying. And I feel like there has been a theme with me since, I don't know if it was since then or if there was something else, but that was definitely an event that stuck with me. And I feel like in my life since then, and it really came out in work where I wouldn't speak up or I wouldn't say like a crazy idea that I had in my head that I I knew would be good, but I wouldn't say it because I didn't want to fail. And I think it all goes back to that moment of, in this case, I didn't do something, but I lost something for an entire team. Mm -hmm. So whenever I'm in that team environment or any sort of thing, like not so much anymore because I'm aware of it, but I just remember back then, I'm like, I think part of it is the system that we're in, but part of it wasn't. Like, I'm like, you know, other people are speaking up, other women in the same level as me. Why am I not? Like, what is going on here? And I think that some things can really map back to those childhood experiences if you can reflect and think, what was it? What happened? Yeah. And for me, that was it. And now like, I just have to be aware of it and know this is just that same thing won't happen again. In the work that I've Done like well, so since then I've become aware of that moment potentially having an impact on not taking as many risks. Like I take a lot of risks in terms of life. Like I've moved to Australia, I've moved to New York City, started at BuzzFeed when it was nineteen people. I take those types of risks, but I don't take like the little risks. I guess yeah. like those little risks of being in a team environment and speaking my mind and coming up with a crazy idea. It's like those risks that involve a team or other people, I noticed, I'm a little bit more hesitant. So that's something that I've really realized and have worked on in my adult life to understand that that's a block and how can I move past that? And the only way that you can move past it is just by doing it, you know, preparing for those conversations, making sure that you have a point of view always and going to meetings with a point of view. Yeah. It's interesting because we know this, our brain is in its theta state. We talk about zero to 14, but zero to seven is like the most like strong sponge, like your experiences that you have during that period of your life. Like if you have an experience like that, where you are shamed by a group that is going to stick with you until you do the work to Mm -hmm. clear it. So it's really interesting that that like 
happened at such a young age, I would say that that feels like kind of rare that at seven years old, so many seven-year-olds might be ganging up and saying, you know, you ruined this for us. Like that certainly wasn't the way it was where I grew up. Like, I don't think anyone really cared if we won or lost at seven. So I think that that is certainly something that would stick with someone and influence your later actions until you, you know, clear it like you have. I remember my brother, Matt saying, Kat, if you want to be good at this, you can, you can do it. You just have to decide if you want to or not. Do you want to be good at this game or do you not? And I I just didn't want to, or I I was too scared to at the time. (laughs) What are the ways that you find your voice or use your voice from that place of being in your power and being your true self now? Just speaking. Like when I have an instinct to, obviously I think about it first, especially depending on what context I'm in. But if I have something to say, and I believe that it's valuable, just say it. Because first of all, it doesn't matter if everyone agrees with you or they don't agree with you. It matters more that we're speaking. (laughs) Because I can't tell you how many times early on in my career that I had so much to say. And it feels so much worse when you leave that meeting and you don't say it than if you just say it, even if it is not something that's valuable for the rest of the group it's so much worse if you don't say it. So I think the first thing is just doing it. I said before, preparing a point of view and making sure that like, if you know what the topic of the meeting is beforehand or whatever it is, the presentation, just preparing a few points because it just helps with your confidence. It helps as you walk into that meeting, it even changes your state, changes kind of your your whole vibe because you've done your research, you're coming in and you're more confident. And then just knowing like we are all so powerful and we all deserve to speak and we all deserve to say what we feel. So just knowing that. Yeah. I think that one of the other things that can be really helpful is in the context of finding your voice and speaking up, whether it's work, whether it's personal, whatever, is really leaning into the things that you are actually interested in and that you actually want to talk about. Because I think sometimes what silences us or what makes us lose like our trust or confidence in our voice is when we feel like we need to speak on something that we really have no interest in. Mm. And even at work, like everyone's going to be interested in different things and different parts of their role and their job. And in personal life, everyone's going to have different interests as well. And so you're going to be so much more confident and you're going to be more valuable to the group if you want to think about it in that context as well, to zero in on what do you care about? Like, what are you passionate about versus (laughs) feeling like you need to speak about everything or speak about something that you're really not interested in. Like you're almost betraying yourself a little bit if you're doing that because you're only putting yourself on a path to do more of what you don't want. Yes. That is such a good point. Because if you think about it anytime, like I'm sure you've been in the situation before, like if you do have to force it, like the force, the conversation or force to prepare, then it's exactly what you said. You're probably just not that interested in it because I don't have this 
problem or I've never had this problem. If it's something that I'm really interested in talking about, I want to, I'm like, stop talking. I want to share my opinion. I have an opinion on this. But when it's something that I'm just not that into, it's like, okay, I got to find a point of view. Yeah. So that's such a good point. Yeah. Cause it's like our interests are, and what we're not interested in, like those are our guideposts for our life. Mm-hmm. Like those are the guideposts mm-hmm. to tell you what to follow. If you totally mm-hmm. trust yourself and follow the guideposts of what you're interested in, like you're going to have a successful life. But the longer it takes you, you're delaying it, the longer it takes you to trust yourself and do that. And that's when we can sometimes have some of these like earthquaking moments of mm-hmm. things the rug being pulled out from under us and all of that stuff. Yeah. The universe is like, all right, you're not listening. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna rip this rug. We're fuck you. Up. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna fuck this up. <laughs> no, that's so true. It's like if you're living in flow, if does it feel like it's flowing or not? Like if you really have to try hard to be able to speak, then it's probably not the topic you want. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking about this with someone today actually, where I felt like when I was, you know either making the case or prepping to like get to the next role or get a promotion. And I would be asked like, okay, well, like, what do you want to do? Or like, what do you see yourself doing? I would answer in my younger years based on what I thought I needed to say in order to get to the next level or in order to do that versus really being completely truthful with myself. And I think I probably didn't even realize it that I wasn't with like what I actually wanted to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's always interesting. And I think it was over for me in what I was doing before where that question would come up and I'm like, there is actually nothing I want to grow in here. Like I don't want to get promoted anywhere. Yeah. So I think that's a a key too. But um, I remember in those, I used to take those online quizzes all the time. I remember when I was trying to figure out what to do, you know, we were in tech and media and it would always come up as there would be like 20 different responses. And it was like, therapist, therapist, coach. coach. It's like, oh God, that's really far off of what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. It really means so much to us that the show is resonating with so many. And if you're enjoying it, we'd love it if you could share it with a friend or leave us a review. It helps us grow. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or share it with a friend and hit subscribe so you never miss a show.